0: Hey, good morning. How are you today? Good to see you. Good to be in the house with you today. Let's have a word of prayer together as we begin this time of exploration into God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here in this place already, for the opportunity to approach you, to worship you in song, to give thanks for the freedom that we have, and God, for the opportunity to be touched by you father it's our prayer today that we would walk out of here different because you've done something in our lives personally and individually but god also in us collectively as a church family we give this time to you i ask god that you would speak through me that you would speak in spite of me in jesus name everybody said amen Amen. 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 Hey, real quickly, let me ask you to take out the program that you got when you came in today. I want to point something out. You'll notice on the very back panel, it says Splash Bash. I don't know if you realize this, but Splash Bash started a little early this weekend. A <laughs> little rain, thunder, and lightning this weekend. So, because of all of our vendors and all of the other things that were going on with that and the unpredictability of the weather especially, This evening we're going to postpone the bash part of that and the splash part of the baptismal celebration will actually happen next weekend in our worship service. So I just want to let you know that in advance. So This Memorial Day weekend starts, man, as soon as the service is over today, hang out with your family, chill out, make sure that you've got some time set aside for those kind of good things, but the Splash Bash that was originally scheduled for this evening is going to happen at another time, and we will actually baptize in our services next Sunday, so don't come out in the rain and the lightning today. Just thought I'd give you a little heads up on that. Now you can open up, you'll see here there's a little place for message notes inside, I know you're going to be one of taking copious notes as we go through the message today. (coughs) Excuse me. Apologize for that. You know, for those of you who have been around for a while, you might remember that I was introduced a few years ago to this phenomenon of working out called CrossFit. And it was a real eye-opening experience for me. It was eye-opening. It was gut-wrenching it was painful how many of y'all have ever done a crossfit workout let me just see a show of hands if you've ever been to a box that's what they call a gym in crossfit world if you did not just raise your hand never do this (laughs) crossfit is a tool of satan it's really an interesting thing because the workouts are really really condensed and intense they're not long workouts but you may go for like six or seven minutes only, just go as hard as you possibly can, and then you're on the ground for 25 or 30 or 45 minutes. (laughs) Mother! I mean, it is a really, really intense deal, but one of the things that I discovered while doing CrossFit is that it is a cumulative program. What I mean by that is what you do today is building on what you did yesterday and the week before and the month before, and so as I went through and have progressed in this sport or program or whatever you want to call it, it's been really interesting. Every time I have done the workout right, I've wanted to quit. When you do CrossFit properly and correctly, you will get to a point, whether the workout is 7 minutes or 12 minutes or even 20 or 25, there will come a point in that workout where you will just say, no more, I am out of here. I don't like you. I don't like you, I don't like your parents, I don't like where you come from, I am done. But if you stick with it, you begin to draw from those experiences and you begin to, to realize, you know what, I felt the same way yesterday, and, and I remember last week I did this workout and I felt the same way, so man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through and I'm not going to quit. It is that same kind of idea that is at the heart of this study that we've been in as a church family ...for this series called Carry On. We we began this series right after Easter, and we're examining the life of Joshua. Now, we've we've come to a critical place in the story of Joshua and the nation of Israel. Last weekend, Pastor Terry Cadwell led us through the Battle of Jericho... ...and what happened when the walls came tumbling down... ...and did a phenomenal job of explaining that. But today, I'm actually going to go back and pick something up that happened before the battle of Jericho. I thought on this Memorial Day weekend, Joshua chapter 4 is especially relevant, especially appropriate for us to look at. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter number 4. If you don't have a Bible, you can download one on your smartphone. If you've got any of the, you know, iPhone, Android, Blackberry, you know, get a pager or something but i'm just saying if you've got a smartphone you can download a version of the bible called you version just y-o-u version and you can carry the bible with you anywhere you go you can bring it into the worship service it's funny about i don't know eight or nine ten years ago if if a pastor like myself saw people on their phones during the service we kind we of get a little hacked off we're like i cannot believe they're texting in the midst of this brilliance right here what is going on That's just rude. Now, it's really funny. If we see people on their phones, we figure they're either in their Bible or they're tweeting this brilliance right here. So it's okay now. (laughs) But either way, you can have that Bible with you wherever you go. But in Joshua chapter 4, there is this incredible pause in the story of Israel. There's this incredible moment. And as we've done throughout this series, I think you're going to see that as we examine the Bible... As we look at God's story and his interaction with Israel in particular, there are amazing parallels to our practical day-in and day-out lives. There are amazing moments, and this is especially one of those moments. You see, sometimes you have to look back in order to move forward. Sometimes you have to look back in order... To move forward, just like I was telling you in my CrossFit experiences. I mean, there are times when you're in the middle of the workout and you go, "Wait a minute! I felt the same way last week," and and I'm going to push through it because that's how you get ripped and jacked like me. That's how you go through that. That wasn't that funny. I don't know why you're laughing up there in the balcony. That, That was just hurtful. But you keep going. Because you look back at what you've been through and you realize that you do have the opportunity, you do have the reservoir of power to keep going and to carry on. This is exactly where Joshua and Israel are, right before the Battle of Jericho. You'll remember they've they've crossed over the Jordan River and they are crossing over the Jordan River. This is a huge, huge moment, a fulfillment of Centuries of God's promises and prophecies to Israel. They've arrived at this moment. But right at this moment, Joshua picks 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he commands them, he says, pick up a rock. Pick up a large stone and bring it out of the dry riverbed that we're crossing over the Jordan on. Take this stone and look at what he says, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Joshua says, We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So Joshua says, I need each of you, 12 guys. Get, get one of these big rocks out of the bed of the Jordan River and carry it with you. Now, we read that and we go, okay, they got a rock and they built a memorial. Awesome. Way to go. But later on we discover that they carried these rocks, these large stones, from the bed of the Jordan to a town by the name of Gilgal. Gilgal was a town that would become a center of worship for the nation of Israel, and we know that Gilgal was at least three miles from the Jordan River. Three miles. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I don't want to carry that rock. Three miles. So these guys are like coming out of the Jordan River like this, and they go like this for three miles. Whoa. They didn't even have weight belts. They had to keep their abs and their core tight and flexed, And then just walk for three miles. No, I'm good. Thanks. Joshua told me to carry it. I got it. For three miles. And there they built this memorial. Now, we read Joshua chapter 4 in the context of God's story with the nation of Israel. But did you notice what Joshua did very, very deliberately? Yes, it is the history of his story with Israel. But Joshua put a very, very fine point on history, didn't he? He said, remember, your children will ask, what do these stones represent? Your children will say, what is this all about? And we will then remind them of what God has done. Here's the thing about memorials. Memorials educate newcomers. Memorials educate newcomers. That's why, like, for example, when we just celebrated communion together as a church family, there are probably some people here who are not yet Christians, and you saw that going on, that memorial was educational to you. You could look at that and go, man, okay, so they kind of take this whole body of Christ thing seriously. Yeah, we really, really do, because it was the body of Christ that was on the cross. It was the body of the Christ that was resurrected from the dead. So there's this educational aspect to it. I remember when I was a kid, I was one of those kids that grew up in church from the from uh, earliest, the time I was born, we were always at church. And I remember one of the first times that I went to ch- big church as a small boy, I had not yet committed my life to Christ and it was time for the Lord's Supper or communion. And I'll never forget it. I, when they started passing the plate in church, I didn't know what was going on. Nobody had kind of educated me or brought me along. And so I was like, man, this is cool, snacks in church. And so when the elements got to me, I just reached for them. My mother, who was sitting immediately beside me, kind of got that double knuckle thing going on the forearm right here and just twisted until I dropped the bread. And I was like, what are you doing? I didn't say that, of course, because she had my arm. I was like, yes, ma'am. But she let me know in no uncertain terms that it was not yet my time it was not yet my turn to partake of communion because that was an act of faith i'd been to church my whole life but i was not yet a christ follower and so for me that that education began to show me what was really going on what this was really all about that for the christ follower all roads lead to the cross all roads. That's what baptism does—the same thing. Baptism is a significant statement of faith. Now, I'm sure in a room this size, many of us maybe were baptized as infant or as an infant or a small, small child, which was great—that was your parents' declaration that they were going to rear you in a God-honoring home. But biblically, baptism follows a personal decision to respond. God's grace initiative biblically baptism says I'm all in that's why we practice baptism by immersion We, we you know by immersion means you dunk people and we go under the water we come up out of the water as a statement of faith after trusting Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and committing our lives to him and it had never really sunk into me until I started pastoring my whole life, I had seen people get baptized in church. I grew up in you know a Baptist church had the baptistry right behind the choir loft and you know the big white robes and, and all that stuff. When people would get baptized, I was like, "Man, that person got baptized. She got baptized. He got baptized. Those people individually were baptized. But as a pastor, can I tell you the amazing, powerful presence of God that happens when a person is baptized that then blesses the entire family of faith. When somebody is baptized, as we'll see next weekend, then they are reminding the rest of the church what this is all about. The rest of the church says, man, I had a hand in that. I'm a part of That person coming to know Christ, whether you were standing out in the parking lot and you greeted them the first day they came to church here, or maybe you took their kids back in the children's ministry and you gave them a safe place to be so that God could do something in their lives in the service, whatever the case might be, when somebody is baptized, the church steps back and goes, whoa, that's what we're all about. That's what this is all about. It's about changed lives. It's about people. It is about letting people know who God is and how extravagantly he loves them. So you begin to understand the power of memorializing what Jesus did for us on the cross. Joshua is m- memorializing what God did in leading Israel across the Jordan River. It's interesting that Joshua reminds the leaders of Israel that it is their job to educate their children. It is the father's job, the mother's job to remind their children of God's faithfulness, to point that out. They're not supposed to call up the Levitical priest and go, hey, I know you were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Can you come talk to my kid? No, it's the parent's responsibility. It is the parent's privilege to have this understanding, this personal experience with God that they can then share with their kids because these, memorial, these memorials educate newcomers now it's interesting this was not the only memorial that gets built in joshua chapter number four not only did joshua tell these 12 leaders of the tribes of israel to get a rock and go build a memorial he did something himself check this out verses nine joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. Now, remember, the Jordan, River, the Jordan River bed is dry ground. Millions are walking across, getting across the Jordan River. And Joshua pauses for just a moment as the leader of this entire pilgrimage to build a memorial for himself. And he builds this memorial exactly where the Levites, the priests of Israel, are holding the Ark of the Covenant, the the box that holds the promises of God in the Ten Commandments, the promises of God in that sample of manna that they had eaten while they were in the wilderness, that Ark of the Covenant that holds and contains Aaron's rod, his, his staff that he used as the leader of the Levites. Aaron was Moses' brother. And Joshua builds this memorial in the middle of the river. Now, I want you to think about something for just a second. Elsewhere, we learned earlier that they were crossing the Jordan River when it was at its flood stage, when it was at its absolute peak and crest. So biblical scholars believe almost unanimously that once the waters of the Jordan River came back and began flowing again freely, that Joshua's memorial was covered up. That Joshua's memorial was underwater until the dry season. Until the waters had receded and the rains had stopped coming. Kind of like Austin, Texas until just today. But it was in the dry season that Joshua could go back to the Jordan River and remember God's faithfulness. I'm curious this morning... If anybody in this room has ever in your life experienced a dry season, you, you ever been through a period of time where it's just it's just not clicking? Maybe it's spiritually, and you're like you feel like your prayers don't even clear the ceiling. Maybe maybe it's in marriage. Man, don't raise your hand on that one. But I mean, some people know what I'm talking about. I remember Julie and I had been married a very very brief period of time, and when we first got married. We lived in a very, very small apartment. Our, our bed filled our bedroom. We had wall, some people have wall-to-wall carpeting. We had wall-to-wall bedding. And as soon as you got out of bed, you were in the bathroom. It was very, very cozy. And I remember one morning in particular, I woke up, and Julie, we had only been married a few weeks or maybe a couple of months. Julie was violently ill, violently ill, violently. And I remember waking up and thinking, just for a split second, I kind of, you know, you you know how when you're first married, you're not really used to being married and you're not really in the habit. And I remember thinking, that's just nasty. That is awful. And then I went, oh wait, you're married, go help her. And so I I climbed out of bed and I stepped into the bathroom and and I went and, and as I was, I was kind of holding her hair back, you know, on the, on the back of her neck and I was you know, kind of patting her back a little bit. And she looked up at me and she goes, don't touch me. (laughs) And after one particularly violent retching, she kind of looked up at me and she said, well, honey, I guess the honeymoon's over. (laughs) Now, that's kind of one of those moments where there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. But there are other moments where there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. And you're, you're not on the same page And there there are times where I know Julie has kind of looked across the table or the room at me over 23 years and thought to herself, I don't really even like him right now. (laughs) And that's real. that's, That's real. And you laugh because she's not talking about you. It ain't that funny to me. But when you get into those dry seasons relationally, whether it's with another person or with God, memorials invigorate those dry seasons. Memorials invigorate, they give life to those dry seasons because it's in those dry seasons that you kind of look back at the memorials that you've built and you've planted and you say, you know what, we've been through worse than this. Or we look back and we say, God's bigger than this dry season. God is the giver of life. So if I need invigorating, if my dry season feels like I'm parched and I'm thirsty and I need refreshment, God is the one. And look at what God has done in my life. Look at what God has done. Is there any way in the world that God who is love created you because he loves you, has sustained you and given you life and carried you to this point, is there any way in the world that he's brought you to this point just to leave you hanging? This God who knows you by name and the number of hairs on your head or the number of hairs that used to be on your head, this God would look at you and went, good luck, wish you the best right if you get work. That's not how God operates. That's not who he is. And to build these memorials in our own lives, to write down the moments of God's faithfulness, to write down the expressions of God's grace and provision, is to build a memorial. And those memorials invigorate the dry seasons. When you remember who he is and what he's done... That's what Joshua was doing in the middle of the river. There's something really important I want to point out here. Verse 18. As soon as the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. Interesting. Thanks. But you know what that means. At this point, there's no going back. At this point, Israel's committed, Jack. They've got the Jordan River behind them at flood stage and the city of Jericho in front of them. It's time to go. It's time to move forward. The memorials are there, but the memorials are there as fuel, as propulsion to move us forward for what God has next. They invigorate the dry seasons. But there's one last thing I want to point out to you. Verse 24. As we're talking about memorials, as we're talking about remembering God's faithfulness, look at what Joshua says in verse 24. Talking about God. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Now, just real quickly, if you're new to this thing, where the Bible talks about fearing God, it doesn't mean that we cower in fear like, oh he's going to get me. It means that we reverence God, that we worship him, that we acknowledge the fact that he is God. I am not. And Joshua says, God has done all of these things. He has brought us across the Jordan River on dry land, just like he brought us through the Red Sea on dry land. He has done all of these things so all the nations of the earth might know that his hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Memorials validate God's story. Memorials validate God's story. The memorials of your life are validation of God's story. You know, last September, as a church, we partnered with over 300 other churches here in Austin, and we engaged in a series of messages called Explore God that dealt with kind of the tough questions attached to the Christian faith. What about evolution or creation? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there the presence of evil in this world? And those are important questions and things that we have to be able to discuss. And you can debate those things until you're blue in the face. But the one thing that nobody will ever be able to debate or argue out of reality is your memorial to God's faithfulness. Your memorial to God's story in your life. As I said, I was one of those kids that grew up in church all the time. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm grateful for the church and the family that had us a part of that. But when I was in the seventh grade, the wheels came off. My mom and dad divorced. And for me in the seventh grade, this was the equivalent to my world blowing up. I didn't know what to do with this. My dad taught Sunday school. My mom taught Sunday school at the church. My dad was a deacon. Our family was the family that was supposed to be divorce-proof. I mean, we were the cleavers. I don't have a picture, but I'm pretty sure my mom vacuumed in pearls at some point in our life prior to my being in the seventh grade. Ward, honey, in here. And when that blew up, I felt like every prop in the world had been knocked out from underneath me. I didn't know what to do with it. And I could take you to the exact spot where I sat on a soccer field in Houston, Texas, and show you where I was when I prayed this prayer. God, I don't know what a relationship with you is all about, but I know that I need you. And all I can tell you is that in that moment... The presence of God was so real. It was so powerful in me. I didn't hear an audible voice from God. I didn't see anything spelled out in the stars. But I knew in that moment that God was with me. Period. I'd love to debate with you. Old earth, new earth. We can have that conversation. You know, strap on a couple of espressos and go to town. But that was real. That is a memorial in my life. The memorial that Julie and I have built around our marriage, in our marriage. When she looked at me and said, you may have married the wrong person. And together we said, God will fix this. And he did. And he has 16 years ago. Such that today, We're having more fun as a married couple than we ever dreamed possible. We've got a daughter who's a freshman in college, a son who's going to be a senior in high school, and we cannot wait for the empty nest. Somebody help me preach. (laughs) But 16 years ago when God carried us through and we worked through that moment, that's a memorial And those memorials matter. Memorials to God's faithfulness. And as Joshua did here in chapter 4, verse 24, those memorials validate God's story. Who He is, what He does, how He's brought you to this point. To the point that you can then share that with other people. You, You can have a conversation with somebody else about what God's done in your life. You don't have to get all freaked out, religious on them. Please don't. And if you do, don't tell them you go to church here. But you just tell them your story. So all I can tell you is what my life was like before, where I met him, and what it's been like since. Because of who he is. Because of how good he is. I think it's important for us to be able to have those memorials, those remembrances that we build, where we pick up something off the dry ground and we say, God was here. God did this. I got to see that. I got to experience that. And as we do that, we honor him. As we do that, we share that story with other people. That's one of the best things you can do to invite somebody to be a part of the family of faith, to to come to church with you on the weekend. Say, man, let me just tell you what God's doing. Man, you won't believe the music at this place. The preaching's okay, but the music is unbelievable. I want to share with you what God's doing in my story. There's a a memorial in this place of what God has done in my life. And you begin to see God's story validated through your experience and shared with other people. Now, some of you in this place have never stepped into a relationship with Christ. Some of you in this place have never crossed over that river where you've said, you know what? I'm tired of... Of messing around. I'm tired of just playing church or playing at the God thing. You've never done that definitively and personally where you said, you know what? From this moment forward, I will trust God with every part of my life, I will commit my life to Him. And so, in just a moment, We as a church want to give you the opportunity to do just that, to take that step personally and definitively, to not just kind of leave it up to chance, go, well, I'm a good, I try to be a good person. A good person is not what you were created for. You were created for a relationship with God himself who loves you by name as is right now. And he loves you too much to leave you right where you are. He wants to take what you've got and turn it into something that he can use. That he can use in your life and, by the way, through you in other people. If you're here today and you've never stepped into that relationship, then we invite you to do that. If you have made that commitment, in just a moment, when we pray, I'm going to ask you to be praying with everything that you've got. For that person sitting next to you, maybe that person that you invited, it's too important to just kind of leave it up to chance and hope everything works out okay in the end. The Bible says in the book of Romans that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will not be ashamed. You will never be embarrassed by God. But if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be forgiven of everything. That's relationship. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, I want to invite you to pray. Just right where you're sitting. Just silently talk to God. If he's leading you into that relationship, then you pray silently right where you're sitting. Just say, Jesus I need you. You are God and I am not. I confess my sin to you, all of it. I claim your forgiveness, all of it. And I give you my life once and for all. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again from the dead for me. And I pray this prayer in your name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, just look back in order to move forward. The Bible says that you are forgiven once and for all. And so I want to invite you right now just to build a memorial in your mind, in your heart, in your life. If that was your prayer and you meant it for the first time, I want to ask you to very quietly, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would just raise your hand. If that was your prayer here today and you meant it for the first time, raise your hand and hold it up for just a moment because this is the most important moment of your life. There's nothing more important to us as a church family. And I ask you to raise your hands for yourself as that memorial For us as a church, we have no greater priority, no greater privilege or blessing than to be here when God did that and you responded to his grace initiative. So as you put your hands down, we like to put our hands together to tell you welcome home. Welcome home.